calling all denizens of the dark, mavens of mayhem, and champions of chaos. Lock your doors and listen close. It's time for another episode of Spies, Lies, and Private Eyes. Here's your host, Terrence McCauley. Hello, everybody. I am Terrence McCauley, and this is Spies, Lies, and Private Eyes on the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. My guest today is Joe Goldberg. He has served as a CIA Covert Action Officer, where he earned three exceptional performance awards. Later, as leader of corporate intelligence at Motorola, he won the Meritorious Award for significant contributions to the intelligence profession. He has also consulted on numerous elections around the world. He is the author of the Amazon best-selling thrillers such as Secret Wars, The Spy Devils, and coming in November, Rebellious Sun, which is Spy Devils 2. And also as a point of full disclosure, we both share a publicist in James Att at uh, BTS Designs. And I think Joe will agree with me that James has a couple of squirrels running around in his attic. Yes, he does. He's a, <laughs> he's a hardworking nut collecting squirrels. <laughs> he is. I don't know how the kid sleeps because God bless him. He's always doing something for us. Yep. Anyway, welcome, Joe. And uh, we're really glad to have you here. It's going to be an exciting conversation. And I was just hoping you could tell us a little bit about your work. Well, I thank you uh, for having me on. I really enjoy uh, talking about anything people ask me questions about. Well, I uh, I have this unique background, like you, like you listed out. I was a CIA uh, propaganda and case officer back in from the 80s to early 90s when we were transitioning from analog to digital, social media wasn't around. So we were trying to make, uh, we're, we laid the groundwork for all the things that are happening now digitally. Right. Um, wow. And after I left there for, I just didn't want to move overseas family family reasons, I uh, went to Motorola, which was the company that had the best first benchmark intelligence organizations attached to a strategy group uh, started by Bob Galvin. Uh, every person who ever ran that group was a former CIA officer, and I was the last one before Motorola did its final restructuring. The last restructuring right. that got, got rid of corporate. Um, I was in. I worked in the business unit, and I was at corporate when cellular phones took off. And there would be in the year two thousand. They say, well, maybe they'll sell a million by year two thousand. They sold a billion or whatever. So, you know, the, the market was exploding, and competition was all over the place. Uh, we were fairly good at what we did. And in that time frame, I worked with the industry and was president of the board of the competitive people. And that's when I got that honor to get that award for meritorious. Then I uh, became a CI fellow, helped start the CI fellows as part of that. And I've kind oh. of grown away from the active actual intelligence world. I, after Motorola, I became a consultant, had connections to political campaigns. I'm a political scientist by trade from Iowa and then my master's degrees in broadcasting and film. And a minor oh, okay. in history, nothing else to do. Uh, so I started working in political campaigns overseas for pretty much presidents and prime ministers, uh, not the U.S. The U.S. When, when, the, when the elections in Nigeria make more sense than the elections in the United States, then you know that it's better to work overseas. Exactly, so that's, yeah. Yeah. So I did that. And then that uh, was about eight years of travel and I was done. And I pretty much semi-retired. I now teach communications at a local community college or the bigger ones. And I write books. Okay, that's great. My, that's about it. That's my life. So I've worked in government. I've worked in corporate. 
I've worked in as a consultant and I, now I'm in the educa I worked in the education sector. So I've kind of done transition through four different phases of the major work spheres. So that that's more interesting to some people than actually be writing a book because everybody in his mother, brother, sister, dog has written a book. But, you know, sometimes you have some experiences you can lay it out saying, how did you transition from these different skill sets that that ends up being sometimes more interesting than, hey, buy my book. Right. But, hey, exactly by the way, right. buy my book. Yeah, no, yeah, we, all, we always and buy Terrence's that. books too. They're even better. They're much better. <laughs> buy, buy them all. The, the holidays are here. Come on, let's get them all out the door. Um, I was wondering because I also have a political science degree from Fordham and I worked in government for 25 years. Nothing as exciting or as important as what you did. But I know a lot of people might ask about the CIA experience that you have and how it influenced your work. How has the, uh, do you include the political aspect, and I don't mean Republican or Democrat, I mean the political government aspect that you understand in your work. Um, yeah, I'll be honest with you. I tried to avoid that. First of all, the pol politics situations, they're fluid. And I can pick right. a moment in time and you're going to upset some people or you're not going to fully understand the nuance. I'd much rather do it overseas, which is kind of um, where I have a little bit more on China and I bounce around different countries, how the mm -hmm. narcotics in Colombia might impact the country's society. It's just a small segment of this, you know, global bounce around the world action thriller. So I try to avoid political thriller. Uh, it's it's just there's plenty of them that are much better out there. I my CIA background, uh, I use that to honor the people I work with. I. The first book was dedicated to those people who are right now at this very second crawling through the muck of wherever, pick, pick Iran or pick a, pick a country, and they are not getting their names, they're not getting stock options, they're not whatever they are doing it to, because they raised their hand to defend the Constitution of the United States. And that is, and those people are silent. They're the secret war, secret warrior, secret war. So that is the people I try to pay attention to. And I, and, and, and that was the foundation of my, what I, of my government life that I took in spite of some of that and billion son is some of that, but I try to focus on the people rather than even political institution or ideology, because that just, first of all, they fluctuate with media and they fluctuate with human being with the people who are in charge, but the actual working bees, they're always there because those are us. We're the drone bees and we're going to go to work every day and get things done. Right. Yeah, no, that's that makes sense. And that's, you know, because sometimes I've gotten criticism from people saying, oh, you're too easy on the Democrats in your book. You were too hard on the Republicans in your book or vice versa. And I just said I didn't write or some people have said I can't tell what persuasion you are from your stuff. And I said that's the because you're not supposed to. You Good. Know? Yes, you're I was successful. To. It's got nothing. Yeah, that it's you're, you're we're lost in the story. It doesn't have anything to do with me scoring political points from one side or the other. They do that for a living. They have a vested interest in doing it. The candidates and the people in government. I'm just here to tell a story and not to further a political perspective. Well, I get asked that question. Um, I teach social media in my is one of my community college classes, and we just did. I'm if for those who can't see, I'm doing the bunny ears cancel culture <laughs> stuff. So you know. And I always ask or think of myself, am I canceling myself as I'm writing? Are there things I specifically am not writing, using, avoiding, so I don't have to deal with insanity 
of people's perspectives and their and their biases that I don't really care about. Just enjoy a story. Yes, I'm telling a story from my own biases. That's why I'm telling it. And that's what I have in there. The stuff I don't have in, I have a bias thing not to put in. So right. you're getting me. Uh, one of the, and one of the things not on my list is dealing with party politics. Right. Uh, U.S. party politics. It has to do with the Chinese Communist Party and how they deal with Taiwan. Different story. But, right. but if it's U.S. and I've got to deal with this, I do bunny years self-censor myself a little bit to avoid that i just don't want to deal with it right we're right. exactly yeah no i agree and then uh, you know by the time usually takes two years or so depending on the publisher to get your stuff out there and by as you said earlier by the time it hits the market we've already moved on from that and it takes the people out of the story if you rank it to something too far in the past in the recent past and you're not writing a historical novel that's pretty tough to do right and I, I you read the current uh thriller writers or whoever you, you might want to read and they're doing um cutouts of political people oh that's not really this president but it really is that president just calling him by a different name and whatever and so it's so it's so you have you're just ladling it out there and that's absolutely fine if you want to write and those become bestsellers by the way because they're half the market loves it and half the market you know just wants to read it and hate you so that's mm -hmm. a that's a good hook. If you're just generic tapioca, it's like ah, okay, all right, nice book, it's nice action maybe, but it doesn't really get my political juices going. So I can hate you or I can love you and tell all my friends in my in my echo chamber the exact same. Read this book because it's gonna confirm everything you believe in. Maybe I should do that. I don't know. If I'm a bestseller again. <laughs> it's actually not a bad idea. Cave into the bestseller world and. <laughs> Well, you seem to be doing pretty good doing what you're doing now. How is, um, why don't you explain the protagonist from the uh, Spy Devils series and how were you inspired to create such a character? Well, the good guy is, uh, his, his name was Bridger. Actually, I was at a wedding one day in New Hampshire and this kid who like, was a hitchhiker sat at the table and said, yeah, my name's Bridger. And I go, I like that name. I'm going to write that down. That was years ago. Um, so I've always had the name in the back of my head and there's a this debate because Bridger writes the forward to the book and he writes the forward to the next book also from his point of view saying how he didn't want to think, write the book uh, never thought he'd have a book written about him but me Joe pestered him enough that he finally decided to do it but I had to do some which I did had to do some stuff to cover up places people's names and stories now people are asking me if it's real or not and uh go ahead figure it out it's a fiction book all right if you if you want to believe it's based upon real people or a conglomerate of real people great i've i've, I've got you in obviously it's a conglomerate of different people it's not just who bridger is right. there are people in all of my books who are based on real people and some of them know some some have passed away the character from secret wars whose name's wes henslow who I took that name from another boss of mine is actually he, he knew it because he read the he read the draft. His name was Dewey Claridge, Dwayne Claridge. He set up the CTC Counterterrorism Center and CIA. One of the Iran Contra co-conspirators. You either loved Dewey or hated him. He was he was Dewey, and, but he was good to me. And you know, he he read the 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 first draft and he goes, "Ah, you turned me into a peep." And I go, "Well, Dewey, because you are a bleep." And so I said, okay, so we wrote me a review 
And so that character is based on him. There's no doubt about it. Anybody who knows, knows. And I actually brought that character forward 30 years and using him in Rebellious Son because um, I wasn't original enough to think of any new characters, new storylines. So I just kind of grabbed one original and sort of brought back the good versus bad. So mm -hmm. I, so the question is, are my stuck guys based on, are my people based on real characters, real people? Of course, all, all writers sort of grab people that they know from their lives and say, oh, that's a characteristic I like or a person I like, I'll, I'll change them around. But my main character, I didn't want to be the superhero, the, the bullet just misses them, but they hear the air crackle one inch from their ear as they do the somersault and fire off their Sig Sauer and cap them between the eyes and twice in the chest. And then they get up running, although they just fell down three flights of stairs and seem to not ever bleed or hurt or break anything. I didn't want that person. But right. I was forced to add some of that by editors who said, that's what the market wants. They don't want right. John Le Carre thought espionage pieces. He probably couldn't get published now if he did Tinker Taylor Soldier or Who uh, Spy Came from the Cold because they're not action thrillers. They're they're espionage right. thought thrillers. You know, maybe Jackal could get get from from Frederick Forsyth because it had a little bit of action, but it was historical fiction. So, you know, was that going to historical fiction espionage now? So could it get published? I don't know. You gotta you gotta describe the weapon and the velocity speed and you got and that's not me so i had to right. throw in some i tried to make a realistic action to make my guy i kind of based more on paladin from have gun will travel will travel yeah richard right? boone. richard boone sort of the guy who's just there and when there's trouble he kind of gets the call although it's not quite so simplistic for the spy devils um but he's doesn't have to worry he's really good at lots of things yeah, you, you kind of you want to quote Shakespeare, you know Shakespeare. You want him to speak Greek, he you knows Greek, and kind of go, "Who are you?" And he says, and, and he's just he is that guy. And he's and I didn't want to make it a directly a CIA black ops team, although it kind it is, but they can do their own thing. And I created this relationship for parent and son, so I tried to make a little bit more depth where there's sort of this um, uh, emotional element behind it, as opposed to just bang bang shoot run get in helicopter fly then jump in the boat and go and then jump on the motorcycle and do the thing i'm not disparaging those all they're fantastic i read them they're my friends but right. that's just not the character i can write right right and i think as an author we all have to know our limitations and not well not being afraid to challenge ourselves know what we can do and can do well right. and you only get to do, know that by writing enough and reading enough too uh to know the strengths. Well, how do you get your stories? You've written a well, lot. How do you get your stories? Let me interrupt. I get uh, I get a lot of them from uh, modern day uh, headlines, and I re you know I take what I know is happening now, and like I said earlier, I know it's going to be two years from now when it actually gets out there. But I don't wed it to um, an actual event. I wed it to an inspired event. So that's why you know I'm not going to write about something like let's say God forbid 9/11. Uh, because that anchors it in time if the story isn't set in 2001. But I will write about the Snowden information that broke several years ago. That inspired my stuff. And I kept that going because it was a frame of reference for people to say, oh, okay, this might be possible. Right. So I know it sounds to me like you do a lot of the same. Yeah, well, Spy Devils is set in Ukraine. I spent a lot of time in Ukraine. In fact, just from the, just from those who may read Spy Devils, 
if you watch any of the TV coverage of the of the major cable companies, mm -hmm. uh, there's when they when they were early on in in Kiev, and they were standing up uh, on a building, and behind them was the uh, actually the foreign ministry building on one side, and the church on their side, in a big square. That is the building where Spy Devil starts. That's the Intercontinental Hotel, in which wow. my main in which my main characters or my first characters tossed off the balcony. And and every day I'd walk down that plaza and go down the vernacular uh, train down to my hotel. So I'm like, wow. so it's like, wow, this is this is real life. But I didn't write Russia invasion. In fact, I kind of purposely stayed away from Russia in uh, Spy Devils because it was a moving political target, and sort of right. glad I didn't because guess what? It's a big exploding political target. Um, and now, you know, my, my, I don't know what the, how people read my spy devils as a, <laughs> as history now, but, uh, uh, there is a sense in my book of the, uh, wherewithal and, and stamina of the Ukrainian people, which is being shown in current events. So I feel kind of good about that. Like I say, it's about the people. It's not necessarily about the weapon. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Cause I know, uh, we, we seem to approach it similarly because, when you asked where I get my ideas from, I'll write about the ongoing uh, generations old uh, uh, combat between Russia and the West, China and the West. That's the kind of stuff that's not gonna change over two years. The nature of the conflict might change, but the, um, the conflict itself and the tension that's between all those nations isn't going anywhere for quite a while. So that's, that's the kind of stuff that I'll anchor my, my work to, and it sounds like you do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, it's, I don't know exactly. In fact, I'm trying to work, work on the Spy Devils 3, which will probably be the last of the series. Unless there's, unless there's a groundswell of people saying, oh, give me Spy Devils 4, which there won't be. Uh, or unless Jake Gyllenhaal and or Jeffrey Donovan, who's, who I have envisioned as my main character, call me up and say, hey, we want we, we need more because we're going to buy your option, your stuff and make a movie. I say, okay, okay, Jake, Jeff. Uh, I'll, I'll add another one. So anybody out there who knows those guys, if you're listening, uh, I got the character just for you. You can take out John Wick in a second. Um, I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. I, I, oh, I, I'm trying to figure out how to do book three um, and fit it into answering questions from book two and not feel like I'm just finishing off a, the series and you know, have a nice day. I want it to still be relevant and real, not just, okay, this can be this storyline. Let's complete that story. I can do that in two chapters. Okay. Right. I gotta, I gotta make a story here that's still engaging using my own experience, which now I'm going to sort of slightly move towards political campaigning perhaps. Um, and regions of the world I haven't been to that maybe people aren't thinking about, but they are geopolitically important and, or can become a basis for a my stories and thriller stories. So that's that's where I am right now. I got little yellow stickies, little yellow stickies all over the wall here, <laughs> trying to figure this thing out. I just showed my little yellow stickies to the Terrence here, but that's a. Uh, and I'm still working on. It. I want to get. I can't like probably like you. I can't sleep at night. I got my right. notebook, you know, on my phone. When I think of something, I go, "Aha, that's the answer." And then I think about, "Well, that really wasn't quite the answer." I got some more questions based on that, and then I just can this rolling ball or razor blades trying to figure this thing out. Exactly right. Yeah. It's, it three. becomes its own self-fulfilling prophecy at that point. It's yeah. uh yeah, I know how that works. The the thunderbolt that happens in the middle of a sleepless night 
And sometimes it's not the uh, answer. So we have to, uh, but we love the answer so much, we have to change the question. And so that can lead there us to go. a whole bunch of other things as well, yeah. some interesting things. When you started writing this series, did you envision it as a trilogy? Did you envision it as more than that? How were, where were you when you started? Well, I had the idea that it was gonna be a, a three book series because I did everything wrong in, uh, I had been writing this, I was gonna write a sequel, I was writing the sequel to Secret Wars. And then mm -hmm. I went to dinner with a best-selling nonfiction author who really liked it because he's a fiction guy and Secret Wars was really historical fiction and uh, espionage thriller. It's really pretty, it's not my best writing, but probably my best story. Anyway, and uh, he goes, don't write a sequel. People want contemporary bang, bang stuff. So, so don't write the sequel to that write a contemporary one. So I took his advice because he's a number one bestseller and I'm buying him dinner. And so I had to think about this, a new character, this new storyline. And I was, I was using corporate intelligence, which is kind of the beginning of spy devils because I worked in corporate intelligence, right about what you know. And right. it ended up that I just made this Bridger character as in a, as a tool for my main character, the corporate intelligence guy, to who's now caught in this web of espionage to get things done. And when I got done up the draft, I sent it off to people like Ryan Steck and the like, and they said, and he uh, he calls me back and says, who's your main character? And I go, mm. you know, it's ending up kind of to be Bridger. He goes, yes, Bridger's more interesting. I don't care about this other guy. And so I had to rewrite the book again. So it took me, and the whole point is it took me a while. And then so, mm -hmm. and I'm ready to go. I've been writing. I think I'm ready to go. And then COVID hits. I'm like, I, I just don't have the patience to wait around for this. And so I queried right. all over the place saying three book series, three book series. And I got, I like your writing. I like the story, but you know, the traditional rejection thing, I got, I don't know, 25 or 30 full reads of things. And so I, and I, so I blew through every agent who possibly could be this. So I just said, I'm done. I'm just getting, to, I'm getting this book out. I, got, I need to move on. If I need to wait another two years or because the publishing industry was still in flux, people knew what, what was going to happen. So I right. self-published it which blew me up of agents, all right? So I can't get an agent for the next books in the series because they don't pick up series. So I want to deal with three books series so I can be done with it so I can start all over again and write an, either standalones of something else or my great American novel and then try the traditional publishing as much as I like self-publishing. Uh, I like the control, not so like the expense, but right. I, can, I, I do like having my own control of timing and cover editors and covers and things and and so i do like that i'll say i do like that. that's why james right that's why that's right. why i so james the publicist so that that um there's a long-winded answer to did i have an idea for three book series yeah because i included that line in my query letter 150 times all right because because agents like series so right. i sort of committed to my mind i had a series about actually having sketched that all the way i kind of had i had one I had an idea for two and book three is a great big black hole because I didn't know how I was getting book two. In fact, I end book two in such a way as I don't even know exactly how it ended. So right. I got to fix it. It's kind of a whodunit and I don't know who did it so when I was writing it. So I just left the who, whodunit and now I got to figure out who did it. So if somebody, and I'm asking my, my beta readers or my people, my other people, what do you think happened? Who do you think did? I'm, I'm sort of crowdsourcing the plot for this next book because mm -hmm. I want to know who they think. If I'm if I fake them out, given who I think I who who did this did this thing was behind it, 
And so I'm asking them. And so far, it's falling into a bucket where I think I've got them confused, not confused. I deflected where they think where it actually happened. And they've all kind of gone down the road where it's the obvious road. But it's almost could be an Agatha Christie. This is a thriller. You got two choices. It's you either Columbo, where you show the killer at the beginning or who, who did it. And then you spend the Bridger spends the rest of the book finding out himself, or you murder on the Calais coach, murder on the Order Express, Agatha Christie, where nobody knows, and it builds up, and at the end, it's revealed who the who the who the who done it is. And I think in a thriller, you need to say who did it, and then you got to, and so your protagonist, your antagonist, are trying to avoid each other till the very end, and then it becomes this colliding kinetic explosion. That's and I think I got that set up. So that's a really long one of answer to your three, to your three book uh, series question. But I, I think the crowdsourcing of the plot for the book three is really helping me out. Right. Well, that, you know, that's the kind of question and answer that people who listen to these kinds of podcasts love to uh, hear from, from us because they're always intrigued by the process. And it, it seems like it's, um, you know, it, to us, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but to the, the people who read us and the people who like to listen to authors, they do enjoy that, that kind of uh, investigation into the thought process. Yes, I agree with that. And I, as I told you, I'm also a guest host on, on the history, the murder, the horror mystery show on NBC. And I try and, and we have authors and I don't want it to be exactly that. Oh, right. we got a book coming out. Tell me, it's about, tell me who you are, how you do it, why you're right. Because that's more, at least it's more interesting to me. Agreed. I assume it's more interesting to the people. I asked a question of the last person I just interviewed. And I said, he writes short stories and he writes long stories. He says, how do you do that? They're totally different formats. You know, your long story, you get 80,000 words. In the short story, you get a few pages. Right. That's a different, and so, and it was a great answer. I was, I wrote it down. And I asked Brian Freeman, who does the uh, some of the Born stuff now. He's writing. Mm-hmm. He's, he's in the Born series, and I saw. So I asked him the right. question because I said, "How do you write the next book in a series?" And his answer was, "I don't go by plot. I go by what my how I want my character to end up being, and I write the plot to make that happen." Mm-hmm. And that broke me out of a little bit of my writing block on how to do book three. I know what I want my characters to be. That's how the I built them. Right. I, so how do I make that happen in plot points, which can be anything with laying within the framework of the storyline, the universe I've created. Now, I thought that was a really astute thing. Now I asked, I asked Kyle Mills, you know, who does the, 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 the Mitch Rep stuff. Um, right. How's he do it? And he goes, Oh, I, I got to do plot. Cause people know my character, my character never ages. And so he's a, he was plot driven. All right? right. So but he's got a whole different world because mm-hmm. of that universe. And Brian's into a new universe, the, the Born universe. But he's always been, he's written many, many series. So I asked him how he did that. I asked, I, I, I'm sorry to give too long an answer. You can edit me up. Edit me no, up. not at all. I'm not going to edit you up because it's important. Because one thing that's common with what you've said about uh, the inspiration you've gotten either through your for your career or for your works is that it's important to stay engaged with people. Writing is a very solitary endeavor, but all of the inspiration you've listed here today has happened while you've been interacting with people, whether it be at dinner or through your podcast or through general conversations. 
and I'm glad to hear that that's a very important part of your process, at least it seems to be. Yeah, well, that's why from the very first book, it was dedicated to my family. And then mm -hmm. underneath was to the to the Patriots, you know who you are. And that has laid that line has laid the groundwork, or laid the philosophy. I try to through all my books, it's, the, it's a people book. If you can't, right. if you can't, yeah, if you want me just to write action, fine. Okay, stand in line. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the, the engaging characters. I went back, I, I went to the dark side, I went to Audible, and I have gone back and I've listened to hundreds of books of the masters, Le Carre, uh, Reacher, all rap. Horvath, what made those, I wanted to hear what made those books stick? What made those characters stick? Because they mm -hmm. stuck and somebody else didn't. Now they got the lucky break. They knew the right person, whatever, timing, whatever it might be. But I wanted, I like to listen because I, my eyes scan when I read, I skip over the, the lilies and the green flowers and get to the, you know, the guy being shot by the shotgun at point blank range. Right. So if I'm listening to it, I can't skip. I hear how it's put together. But I wanted to hear how they wrote their initial stuff. So I'm starting a series and that gave me a lot of foundation. And so when I have a chance to now talk to some of these guys, now I'm sort of in a little bit into the circle, it helps me reinforce how they kept it fresh as they went forward, as they go forward. Right, right. Yeah. And I, that's, uh, that is an important part of being a writer that a lot of people seem to, uh, skip over. I'm, I'm guilty of it myself. Sometimes I'll be so busy with work, I'll just focus on what I'm doing at the keyboard. And uh, it's important to interact with others who are on the same journey as us, because you never know where inspiration is going to strike. I got, I'm, I'm writing down notes right now, just as we're talking. I am. Right. Yeah, no, it's, it's really, uh, it's a big deal. And that's, uh, that, that I'm glad that we were able to cover that today how are how's the best way that people can track you with all of your books coming out uh what's your social media website stuff like that well the easiest way is to uh, to get a gander at james's work and go to uh, joegoldbergbooks.com uh, very difficult joegoldbergbooks.com and uh everything's there yeah i'm on twitter which is kind of my main uh, social i like social media that that i, I teach social media so it's kind of what i use uh, right. but Facebook, Instagram, that stuff. So everything that's me or is, it's just on joegoldbergbooks.com. Yeah, right. I'm on, I'm on Amazon and all the other things, but that's, that's the place to go. And, and I'll, I will say one thing, if you can connect with me, if you send me a tweet or, or a note, I will respond. Mm -hmm. I always respond. Even if it's just a thanks or an okay, or appreciate, I will all, or if you ask me a question, Unless I just happen to miss it from the stream of social stuff that comes in, right? I will get back to you. So ask right. me a question, or uh, and I uh, I always say constructive or positive feedback always welcome. Negative feedback gets me nothing, but right. if you give me constructive or positive feedback, it's welcome. Right, and also it's important for all of our listeners to leave reviews on books whenever you can because. Believe it or not, that's past. Even if you don't write a review, if you just leave stars, it helps because it helps give us feedback about what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong. You have a right to do it because you're the person who bought the book, you're a consumer, and you have a right to express your opinion. 
And also it gives writers like us a boost whenever you do it, because we know we're not just casting it out into the ether. Well, I, I mean, you know, I'll just say, say that again. Um, it's, <laughs> doing a review for any author is big or small, because the big ones, they want reviews too, They uh, is, is, is a thank you. Mm-hmm. And it is, you know, and it's a tell your friend, you know, uh, Yelp, record, you know, hey, I read this book. And, and, and it makes, yes, it makes us feel good. Even if it's a, now I'll try to avoid the, the quote unquote bunny or bad reviews, but it is a thank you. And I just was talking to James that I'm close to a milestone on Spy Devils on numbers of reviews. I'm like, let's get, let's, let's go. I want, let's get that those last few and put me over the milestone. Cause they're just, they're, they're, they're I, I gave I gave out free more more books than I reviews from, right. from Spy Devils, and these are you know and I didn't and I didn't couch hey free book give me a review no thank you I won't do that, but hey, is it implied? Is there a thought? Could you be nice mm-hmm. to do that? So you're always trying to get it because I teach I teach social media people who read reviews, okay right that's yes you do more reviews about the book you're going to read than the than the loan from the bank that you're going to get all right so because you'll, you'll read the amazon stuff so i i saying i'm letting it go for too, too long friend or foe book you read any product give a review do a review right and yeah. like you say all has to be is stars doesn't have to be words. yeah don't have to yeah it's just five second click and then you're on to the the next book that's on your kindle or on your to be read file and uh yeah no both of us uh and both, like I said earlier, full disclosure, both of us are represented by James uh, at BTS Designs, and we've said good things about him because even though we say is bad radio, things, when we say bad things, let me know. <laughs> well, as as Joe can tell you, uh, James is on here right now with an AK forty seven to my head, so that's why we're <laughs> uh, we're we're uh, this is like a hostage video, anyway. <laughs> j- <laughs> and, and I yeah. hope he will get a kick out of that because yeah, he has my passwords to about, all of my social media. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, this, this, anyway. so you're gonna go dark here in a couple hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll be kicking down my door. Anyway, thank you very much, Joe. I really appreciate it. It was great talking to you. You're welcome. And, thank you very uh, much. We wish you all success in the future. Uh, everyone, that's it for today. I'm Terrence McCauley, and this has been Spies, Lies, and Private Eyes on the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. And God bless BTS Designs. you have been listening to spies lies and private eyes with host terence mccauley on authors on the air global radio network